Chris Knight. Um, this is part three. Still blows my mind. I get to talk to this man. I've been listening to his music for over two decades. And to me, he is a national treasure. His songwriting speaks for itself. He is heralded as one of the best ever um, from his peers, from executives, whether you're in Texas, where he's an honorary Texan, to Music Row in Nashville, Music City, USA, anywhere in the country, people know Chris writes the way that Chris Knight writes, the way that he delivers a song. And I'm just giddy talking to him. I hope you all enjoy it. It's part three of our ongoing podcast series with Chris Knight, the man from Kentucky. It ain't easy being me framed. I could sit here and name songs like they're going out of style. Um, I don't know which one is your guys' favorite, but get his catalog, get his library, listen to the words, listen to the harmonies, the the, the delivery. He's just a, uh, like I said, a national treasure, a perfectionist. I love it. Hope you all enjoyed another great episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast with the one and only Chris Knight brought to you again by Jack Daniels, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for giving us the chance, the opportunities for supporting our culture. We get to talk to Chris Knight. Hope you all enjoy it. Let's go. All right, Chris, I'm here. You're here. Right. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you doing? Awesome. I'm uh, just... I've actually been listening to your music a lot. A lot, lot. Oh, good. What have you been listening to? Uh, well, it varies, you know. I mean, I I don't listen to much new music. I just listen to, uh, you know, I listen to stuff on YouTube. I mean, last night I was listening to, you know, little Jackson Brown, little Joe Walsh. Bad finger, you know, just stuff like that, and and then uh, you know, I might be listening to jazz or you know, just some you know jazz. I like some jazz, Steely Dan. I like Steely Dan, and then just the other real jazz a little bit. But mostly, I listen to talk radio. So, such as uh, the Tennessee station down at WTN, the Nashville station. That's cool. Do you do you get into politics at all, Chris? I, I, what what do you mean by get into it? Like, are you you know how we've talked about Brent Cobb um, before? He's got a new song on his album called "Shut Up and Sing," and it's. Pretty much saying, hey, just if you're a singer-songwriter, just sing. Don't use this platform as a political motivator or influencer. And I was just wondering if you kind of felt the same of just kind of staying in your lane and, and, and letting your songs speak for themselves. Yeah, I don't – I mean, yeah, I just – my songs have all, always been about the same. I mean, if you couldn't listen to a song – that I wrote 20 years ago and then listen to one off the latest record and see the similarities and the w- things that I feel, you know, you're not, you know, you're not listening, you know, and then, you know, there are, I, I don't, uh, I kind of got off on that just a little bit back a few years ago, but, uh, said, said a thing or two on stage, but I just, I don't do that anymore. You don't. There ain't no. I don't know. I just, you know, want to play my songs. And, you know, I mean, if I start getting to trying to find out too much information about this artist or that artist that I really like and actors and all that kind of thing, and then I figure out, well, they're just just freaking dumbasses, (laughs) you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it, it kind of bothers me. But uh, yeah, I've had that. So I quit doing. I quit doing that too. I just like their music. I want to hear. I want to hear. I want to see good actors act. I don't want to hear a damn other word they got to say unless they're just doing a general interview. You know. Uh, and and 
there's a lot of harping about stuff on both sides too and you just get tired of listening to it and i know what's what i know what what's right and what ain't right you know no i i totally understand and that's that's what you're always scared of is that you I get into somebody's music or like I was a huge Robert De Niro fan for years. But then when I see him act that, you know, get on that, those soaps, you know, those pedestals or those soap boxes, I just was like, man, I don't, I don't need to hear all of that stuff. I just want to watch you in the Godfather or Cape right. Fear or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. That's, that's one of them right there. And yeah. I'm glad that there's a lot of them out there. A lot of good actors that you don't hear from on a political spectrum that much. You know, they might have this cause or that cause, you know, George Clooney, you know, he's, uh, I can't remember what he's all into, but I love the guy. He's a great actor, you know? And so I, I just, yeah, I want to be entertained. You know, if I'm going to watch a movie, I don't want to be thinking about somebody's political do you, you know, deal. do you enjoy that part of life, Chris Knight, as far as sitting down on a on a lazy boy chair on a couch and putting on a good movie in a dark room and just letting letting the movie take you somewhere where you hadn't been during that day? Does do you, are you into movies and cinema like that? Not, I wouldn't say I'm into them, but if I see there's a good movie on, I'll I'll uh, record it on DVR and then, you know, come back to it. And yeah, it takes me two weeks to watch a damn two hour movie sometimes, you know, it's like I'll, I'll sit down for a minute and watch 10 minutes of it. And then I'll, I'll get on out. I said, I don't need to be sitting on my ass today. You know? Yeah. You'd much, you'd much rather be outside. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, uh, at night, you know, most time before I even settle down, it takes me about 10 minutes to fall asleep. So once I sit down in that easy chair, turn TV on, I'm, I'm, I'm out in about five minutes. Well, you cut, I don't, you don't have to answer this if you don't want, but tell me about, you come from the land of bourbon. You're close to the state of Tennessee with Tennessee whiskey. Are you a fan of bourbons and whiskeys? Do you partake in bourbons and whiskeys? And do you, are you more of a guy on the rocks? Do you like them neat or do you kind of just shy away from that kind of alcohol? Uh, um, I like the idea of it, you know, Kentucky bourbon and all that. I think it's pretty cool. Some of the, the new ones that come out, you know, and, uh, but no, I don't, I don't drink it. I, I drank too much moonshine a few times and couldn't find my ass with both hands. <laughs> I'd try, try to do a show, you know, and I, I really, uh, that was, that was just about the last time I might would take a shot or two before I go on stage, but that'd be it. But this time, that time I overdid it. And that was the only time I thought, I ain't going to finish this damn show. I'm going to bust my guitar and walk off stage. <laughs> so you still might take a shot of moonshine before you go out to a show? I, I, I probably have it in three or four years. But uh, Do you drink a beer you know, once so, in a while? I drink plenty of beer. I'm... I like beer. What What's your choice? Yeah. Any of them, or you got a favorite? Uh, Miller Lite. Miller Lite. Yeah. So, do you um, you spent last time we talked, you spent a lot of time with the dogs and getting them ready. Did you Did you have a successful season with the dogs and and uh, and and enjoying that part of the outdoors and the hunting and the fishing? Yeah. I, um, I don't know whether we've talked since, but I I went to Michigan a couple times last fall, grouse hunting, and got into a bunch of birds, and uh, I took 
one of them pups. And, uh, and I was hunting with, you know, there was always another dog in the field. Uh, a friend of mine brought like three, three dogs with him. So, so I had her out a lot. So he would get one dog out and I'd get that pup out and I got her, you know, I got her, you know, backing the other dog and then she pointed probably five or six birds uh over the course of five days with me and she she got her mouth on several and uh it was great you know and then i've got uh, a couple more price good good dogs down here i get them in pen raised birds sometimes and uh then i got my two old dogs which are which are really good and then me and my son went back up to uh, michigan in december and uh, we got into several birds too. My son, he killed he killed two over just over two days, you know. And uh, you know he had never killed a grouse, and I'd never laid eyes on a wild grouse, you know, until last October, because they never was any grouse over here in Western Kentucky. All the grouse was in eastern Kentucky, and I think they're about gone now, because they got real low populations. When you say grouse, are they sharp tail or rough grouse? Do you know what species they are? Rough grouse. They're rough grouse. Yeah. I think they've got maybe a few pheasants, wild pheasants up there, but I I think that uh, they're trying to bring the pheasants back up there in Michigan. Did you, with the the turkey season in Kentucky, just start, it just came to an end. Did you get out for a turkey with the dogs at all? No, you, you can't hunt turkeys in the spring with dogs up here. And uh, so I didn't even go. Uh, tell you the truth, we got two box freezers and an upright uh, refrigerator in the garage with the freezing one side of its freezer and you know i'm having we're having a hard time keeping up with all the all all game till we got in there you know and you know my son will be going to college next fall so you know we'll we'll have plenty of time to catch up on it and then he won't be doing a whole lot of hunting next fall and I'm sure he'll find he'll find a way, but uh, yeah, it'd be a little different. He he just flat brings it in, you know. I got a gad, I got three gadwall breasts thrown out right now. And he always ducks and turkeys. He he shot him a turkey back in here. Called him off the roost first morning, and I figured he'd probably get him another one, but they just have completely shut up. And our population's down anyway. And so, but, you know, we're fine. With uh, We got plenty to eat. So what are you going to do with those gadwalls? I ain't, I ain't decided yet whether I'm going to put them on the grill or what I do is... Uh, Cut through the back. Well, these are probably filleted breasts. My son, he, I think he filleted them out anyway. Uh, I don't know. I got some rub, some whiskey. I mean, some uh, coffee rub that I found and and a recipe. And I use that, and I'll I'll sear them in a Dutch Dutch oven or in a skillet, and then just cook them slow and with that uh, rub on them and you know sometimes if it's like a whole like a pheasant breast or a or a uh, grouse or something like that I'll cut through the backbone and spatchcock them cook them I've done teal like that too and they're, they're excellent uh, just cut through that backbone pluck them which I hate to do, you know, 
time consuming plucking a bird, but uh, yeah, I just you it flattens the breast out. You break that breast bone, you go through the backbone and break that breast bone, and it flattens them out. You know, and uh, we can get the two surfaces in the in on the heat get them brown real good and then cook them cook them slow yeah and that allows you to keep the legs on them too correct yep yep <clears throat> do you um when you s- start thinking about like all that wild game preparation and all the the different the grouse or the the waterfowl that you're eating do you take we talked a little bit about you know how much pride you have and you know different parts of your life are you a guy that enjoys you know the aftermath of that sitting down with friends and family or are you more of a substances guy that's just doing it to eat and get it over with i ain't really do i enjoy the act of cooking but if i got a crowd i mean i ain't done that in a long time i can do it but i mean i feel stressed out even cooking the side you know, with, uh, you know, I was cooking, I cooked some pheasant the other night. My son, uh, and you know, I was kind of cooking them the same way I've been talking about here, and uh, uh, and fixing fixing fried rice, homemade fried rice at the same time, you know where you boil the rice, you get it cold, and then you make your fried rice with eggs and vegetables. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, I get a little, I mean, I can do it, but it's like they're gone, you know. I want them to get done at the same time, and that's hard to coordinate, especially if you, cooking several things it is for me i know cooks do it all the time but i I think i told you once before i didn't want that pressure on me so do you feel that do you feel that same pressure at all doing what you do for a living when you when you because now things are starting to open back up i want to talk to you about something like have you been on stage lately but do you feel pressure to perform in front of a crowd with your other talent of writing songs and delivering them I'm a lot better at it than I used to be. I still don't think I'm that great of an entertainer. But, you know, I mean, my main goal is just go out there and get the, uh, get the songs across, you know, and do as good a job as I can of it, you know. And, uh, but yeah, I just... Uh, I mean, you know, the the worst part is just waiting around, and I think that's if there's going to be any stress or any thing, you know, it it starts in between sound check and the show. But once you start walking to the stage, all that goes away. And, uh, have you done it lately? Have you? Been, I know. Some- oh yeah, I've, I've had. 15, 16 shows this year. I had seven last month and maybe eight, seven or eight before that. And I got seven next month. And then the last run runs on into June. So I have eight or nine shows on that one. And so uh, that'll be a good run, about 10 days out. You going out west at all? We're going to Texas. Going to Texas. I've got some Colorado stuff on the books for January. And uh, I'd probably, you know, try to. I have went out there on the road for about 10, 12 days, playing my way out to Colorado and then playing back. It's it, we had a great you know we we were fortunate we didn't have bad weather we uh when we went out there pulled pulling a trailer and the band took the whole band and 
didn't really have any trouble till, till we got to Kansas City and it snowed on us that night, that day, that afternoon of the show and it kept snowing. And so we had to drive through some snow and bad roads to St. Louis and do the next show. But we were out in, you know, nothing in Colorado or Nebraska working our way out there and while we were there. So. It's pretty cool. That's you know. I mean, they they always send me out there. They want. I mean, they ain't sending me nowhere, but they scheduling stuff, putting stuff on the books for like January, and uh, you know, and I'm like, why the hell couldn't I go to Florida? <laughs> yeah, what? you know, <laughs> Colorado in January, you got two feet of snow on the ground. I know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Florida sounds a little bit more appetizing in January for sure. When you're yeah. out, when you're out on the road like that, Chris, do you envision the set the day of, or do you have a, a, a you know like a, a a set song list that you know you're going to perform day in and day out, and you might add to it or take one out here and add one here, or does it just come to you that day and you start putting it down on paper and the band's just like, okay, here we go? Well, it's kind of set i got you know a lot of times it's just a song list and in fairly correct order and you know we'll use that for a while and then we'll change it up we'll go back and run through these other songs that we hadn't done in a while or whatever and uh change it up that way and then we'll get that set down and play that for a while and then mix it up you know i mean i'm you know i'm gonna be throwing some different stuff in once we get the band back up and going just me and my guitar player out there now and, and my road manager hope he comes back he said he had the episodic a couple a couple weeks ago yeah yeah and he so he's back. I'm glad it's, you know everything's okay. So we're going out this weekend for three shows in uh, Decatur, Georgia. Georgia's a nice area. I was just down there. I got to go on a little turkey hunt down in South Georgia, around Patterson, south of Macon. Yeah, we had a good little run down there with some. They got an Eastern down there. They got those. Osceolas. Yeah, the, Osce- the Osceolas are only down in Florida, they say. So Yeah. I've killed I've been down to Florida and been been successful on the Osceolas too, but um they're they're Georgia's experiencing the same thing you just mentioned in Kentucky to where they're shortening their season, they're starting it later, they're bringing the limit of turkeys down. Because, you know, in Georgia there for a while you could I think you could kill three birds a year, and you could kill them all in the same day. Yeah. So I mean, that just will wipe out a flock, right? If three of them come in, you can kill all of them. I mean, so they're they're changing some things around to uh to try to bring the population back. But I like Georgia. I enjoy it down there. I really love Florida. I really yeah. love Florida. I was thinking about going down to the 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 uh, Gulf Coast Jam in June, and I. I saw Cody Jinx on there. I, have you heard of? Have you met Cody Jinx? He said he met you at a concert one time in Texas. Yeah, we did meet, and uh, but I don't think we we've, we've been uh, we played on a lot of shows together. But yeah, yeah, he's good. He uh, in the podcast, I ask him if Chris Knight is the best of all time. And he looks at the camera and he says, "Absolutely, one hundred percent." So, that, and he's as good as they come right now, you know. As far as like, you know, that independent Texas kind of not playing by the Nashville rules, and he he looks up to you big time. So, I have a I have a goal of putting on a show with you and him and Brent Cobb and Adam Hood maybe and having all four of you come out and do a show. I'm trying to put it together, but I need to talk to Mike and see how that would work out. But, man, that would be killer to have all of you guys together one night. Yeah, it sounds like fun. I think it would be. When you start thinking about 
there was a song by David Allen Coe back in the day that everybody knows, and he mentions, you know, the perfect country and Western song. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think there is one? Do you think you've written it? Do you think anybody's written it? Do you think Angel from Montgomery is a perfect song? Because I love that song. I know you're a huge John Prine fan. He was a big influence of yours. I know Bonnie Raitt made that song big. Um, Susan Tedeschi is sang it and and just sounds amazing on it. But is there the the perfect song that's been written, Chris Knight? I, I don't know. There's a whole lot of good songs that's been written. I mean... Even by people that only put out one album or or just had one popular song, you know, just great songs. And some people just made one album and then they went to the house, but people still listen to that album, you know. Um, I don't really think about it that way. I mean, I know... I'm not going to say that there's one particular song that I've written that's the best song I've ever written because I I like a lot of my songs. But as far as... I mean, I've got several songs that I'm like, I can't write a song as good as that ever again. You know, I can't write a song as good as these, you know, ever again. Now, I write bullshit, but I'm not really into doing that, you know. I I quit trying to do do uh, radio songs a long time ago. Not that they're bullshit. I ain't saying that they're bullshit, but I, can't, I couldn't do it. You know. Well, I, you know how I feel about your music, and I can name all of these songs that I think are on the spectrum of the end of the spectrum of un, uh, amazing. You'll never match it, but you seem to always, you know, blow somebody's mind on, on the, you know, a new album comes out and there's always going to be these cuts on these albums by Chris Knight that just puts you in your place. And what would you say to that, Chris? What would you say is what's the most current song that you put on the Chris Knight list that you can't match or you can't write another song as good as that, like you just mentioned? Is there a most current song that comes to mind? Um, um, it might be like uh, William Callahan or there might have been another one on this last record. Send it on down. Could be, yeah. Amazing song, like genius song, like the verse of the football bleachers in the, and you're drinking on a yeah on a Sunday morning, and you can literally hear the good people sing. Like that song right there will make any man that has lived life go, "Holy smokes, holy shit!" <laughs> the good people are singing, you know the religious songs in church and praying to the Lord and the altar. And this guy's out on the football bleachers where kids, you know, are, are playing on Friday night lights and he's drinking his, his shine out there on a Sunday morning with the, you know, it's cold outside. Like that song makes it so vivid to me. I don't know if you can write a better song than that. And you just, you just released that what two years ago. So like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I agree with you. Like you can't keep matching the songs because I could name the ones that, I mean, we've discussed several of them, but there's so many more. But man, that song, Chris Knight. When you when you wrote that, I know Leanne released it. I know Leanne sings harmonies on it on your album. What is the reaction like that? Does she hear it and go, "I got to be a part of that"? Or did you invite her in on it? Because if I'm a Leanne Womack, who you have history with with Frank and all that, but she is a, a an angel when it comes to singing. Her voice is amazing, and she's had a lot of success in country music, especially radio and touring. How does that all come about? And do you feel like that's one of those songs that makes that short list? Well, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good song. Me and, me and David Leone wrote that. We, me and David wrote quite a few songs. We wrote uh, uh, Oil Patch Town, North Dakota, 
send it on down. And uh, we always seemed to have good ideas whenever we would get together. But uh, Lee Ann recorded that song a few years ago. She did uh, pick a few different songwriters that she liked, and I guess I was one of them. And and Frank had told me before that she liked that song, and and then we called her up whenever I whenever I recorded it to get her to come and sing on it, and. Yeah, she did great on 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 it. She uh, come in with with a part already there, you know. Right. She knew exactly what she was going to do with it, and it, it turned out really good. What what kind of mindset would you say that you go to, Chris? When you like, when I hear "send a boat." Um, <clears throat> or even send it on down. Is there a certain mindset that you're in, or is this, is it just any day your mind works like that? Or do you have to like be in a dark place? Do you have to be sad? Do you have to, to be happy? Do you have to, to write a happy song? Do you have to be in a great mood that day? Do you have to be down in the dumps to write a song, to be thinking of a man drinking by himself when the good people are, are all cuddled up in church? Like, is there different mindsets that brings these different lyrics out of you? Well, I wouldn't know because most of the songs that I, I've i written, I've been pissed off when I wrote them. So <laughs> that's where that's where my inspiration came from. But uh, now uh, I was writing a lot, you know. You write a lot. You sit down, you write, and you stick with it. You know, you're, and you, there is a mindset. It's almost like a... You can't let it go if it takes, you know, however long it takes. You're just trying to figure this character out or whatever, figure this story out, and you're really excited about it. Like I've been, you know, just knowing, writing a song and can't finish it, but I know I'm going to finish it one of these days. And it's, uh, it's like a high, you know, when you got when you write a song, you know, and it is sometimes it's just like, just get, get off in a room by yourself or something like that, or get out in your vehicle and you're driving. And I mean, I wrote, I've, I've written, you know, the core of a whole lot of songs, just riding around, you know, driving and, uh, I mean, I started hard candy, driving out of the driveway one one night with my daughter in the back seat, you know, and Becky's Bible, I remember exactly where I was when I hollered out the first line. Empty beer bottles rattle on my pistol. You know, right down the road here is a, the road used to be gravel, so it was a little rattly. I was driving down there, and empty beer bottles were rattling on my pistol. On the seat of my Nissan truck, but I changed it to Chevy. Because uh, Nissan didn't... Chevy sings better. But that's Works a, better in a song than Nissan pickup. God dang. So you're, you, you hear that sound in your head? <clears throat> and you know that it's an empty beer bottle hitting up against the iron of a of a of a of your piece, your side piece, your pistol. Yeah, and you just come up with that. That's 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 what it was doing. So I, I hollered that out, and then didn't take me long at all to write that song. Just and it was a, almost like a new thing to me because it was a real story, a real story song. And I I ain't saying I rocked it up, but it was. It's a little more uh, different type of melody and and a little little more upbeat or not upbeat but higher 
more of a tempo song than a lot of the other stuff. And I knew that I was going to write that song right then. And, uh, and, uh, and I knew that it was a good song. I'm not sure it impressed a hell of a lot of people that, you know, I think it had to grow. I'm not talking about the general people, but I'm like, this is, if I have a hit song for me and my fans, this is going to be one of them right here. And that's what I told them. And I said, I'm putting this song on a freaking album, you know, on my next album. And you did. Yeah. And this was on a pretty good guy. Yeah. And I, you know, I can't get through a show without somebody uh, hollering for me to play it. And I probably always have played it. It's always somewhere in the set. Do you, I just played, I, I played an old song, you know, Bring the Harvest Home. I think I'm going to get that one out and, and play it some, you know, uh, with a band, you know, get my band to learn it because we've never played it in a long time. I ain't played that song since the early 2000s. And Bring the Harvest Home is a double meaning song of love woman in yeah. your life and bringing, bringing it home. Um, but it also has the farming correlation to it as well. Right. Yeah. God, yeah. Like, it I was a fun song. song. Yeah. It was a fun song to write. Me and Craig Weissman wrote that. And, um, you know, and I, I was always, sometimes, you know, I mean, when I make a record, I can't stand to listen to it for a while. You know, it's like, well, I should have done this different. I should have done that different, or, you know. But you go back, I go back now, and I'm like, I mean, I felt like I was, I sound like I'm 13 years old on my first album, you know. And I think I finally started singing right when I was uh, doing Pretty Good Guy. We recorded that record, pretty good guy. With uh, I had a Marshall amp in the in the vocal booth, and I was sitting down playing to the tracks on the Marshall amp and singing no headphones. And uh, I think that helped me a lot because I never could really get through get get used to headphones early and. So, but I eventually did, you know, I've gotten to where I can, you know, they don't bother me. So I think I can, I can get, I can get the song across using headphones now. But you're not saying you were unhappy or disappointed with the voice or the way you were singing or delivering the song no. on the, on the first album, are you? No, no, not at all. Cause that's, it that just, album's amazing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. it, but it's uh, it's just me, you know. I'm just like that's what I'm saying. After a while, I go back and listen to it, and I said, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with this, you know. I mean, it's so. The only thing that's, that's wrong. The only thing that's wrong with it is that it never, it never, you know, I. I I don't know the right way to say this, but it just never gets its due justice because it's the, some of the greatest music ever written and recorded. And it's, and it's stated by so many of the top level session players or radio hit makers, songwriters and singers in Nashville today, singers and yep. songwriters that were coming up in the late eighties and nineties. There's, there's people from Travis Tritt to, to Garth, to all of these people that did it in Nashville that know what your music means. Blake Shelton, Miranda Lambert, who's arguably the top female in country music today, if not the top for sure. She's like the new generation Dolly Parton. Um, they all say it. So that to me, I, it, you talk about getting pissed off. I get frustrated because I'm like, how is this not what we're, is in our ears all the time? And it's all this other stuff that doesn't mean anything about as far as life. I'm not trying to take away anything 
that songwriters don't have the right to go out and write what they want and make money. And if it hits and, and all, you know, the, this audience likes it. I'm just saying that there's real music out there that people really never have the chance to learn about or find or discover because it wasn't promoted like a lot of the, the hits are, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, I think they wanted to, but also I think that they that they knew that they're going to have to take a different track with me, and they they did. And you know that that I got a lot of mileage out of that record. You know, a lot of great press. It was just unbelievable, and it got me to where you know when when Decca got shut down by MCA I was one of the artists that didn't move over to MCA but I wasn't worried about it you know because I knew I could go make a record and still get out and tour you know and to me it was like well it's just going to be work it's going to be take your guitar out and, and go play you know and start building a crowd and then make that record, make that next record. But, uh, I can't, I ain't, I can't complain at all about that because they did me a whole lot of good, but I think <laughs> that you can only go so far with somebody like me, you know? So you, so you take your, I'm not saying it's blame, but you take some of the responsibility that you weren't, radio friendly per se yeah i mean i even had a radio guy tell me you don't like doing this do you <laughs> you know and i and I, I didn't say nothing you know it, it wasn't on air but that, i mean you know you go out and there be radio guys wanting you to go ribbit or something like that for their <laughs> it's chris knight ribbit you know <laughs> listening to so and such, such and such radio, you know, and I just wasn't going to do that. I was, there was a lot of things that I wasn't going to do, and I think Decker knew it, you know. I wasn't that kind of artist, especially at 38 years old, you know, whenever, 37, whenever that record came out. Does it, does it... Well, with that attitude or that, that, that theory that you're saying of maybe, you know, not being radio friendly, you've been told you're not radio friendly or that you, it seems like you don't like do it. You, you, you self-admittingly say that you don't feel you're a gr good or great entertainer, even though people love to watch you live. Um, are you surprised, Chris Knight, that you've had such an amazing career or is it the song that has, has, you know, shouldered this career because the songs are so, so good. Or are you surprised every day that now, you know, you've been in this deal almost 30 years and people are still coming out to watch you play? Um, yeah, I guess you could say I'm surprised at it. Uh, cause, uh, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with, what I've done and you know it's like I hear a great song or even some of the songs that I've written maybe with other people and they're, they're just too slick for me you know what I mean I mean I've always got to when I'm co-writing with somebody I said okay I love this idea I love all this stuff but if I'm going to sing this song and record it it's going to have to be my voice you know and uh, so that's kind of the way that I've always done it. And it's just, I, I really don't know if I'm surprised. I got to be surprised because I just up and did this one day. I said, well, screw it. I'm fixing to go give it a shot. And I guess I was stupid enough just to have confidence that I could do it. And I took a $10,000 cut and pay to go be a staff writer in 94. And uh, wasn't worried at all. Never lost a minute of sleep over, you know. And even when I was in between record deals, you know, 
Yeah. In between publishing deals. I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, then all the success of the songwriting, because you've got a ton of them. Why were you so pissed off all the time when you were writing? What pisses Chris Knight off? Is it the industry uh, or is it just personal life or just anything that happened that day? You got in a you got pissy with somebody or something irritated you and they're like your song comes to mind. No, I was just imagining a scenario where you know, uh, there's somebody that's, uh, he got a little bit of anger in him, just like, you know, like framed. He's like, he's not ever going to, he's incorrigible, you know, he's this, this dude, he, you're not going to get nothing over on him. He ain't going to confess to nothing. He ain't going to repent or nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, some I guess I was it was easy for me to it wasn't never being pissed off so I get pissed off at my wife or something and then go right out. I might have written a few of those, but <laughs> uh, it wasn't that kind of pissed off. It was just uh, how you feel about a certain deal, maybe that's going on. You know, somebody, your presidential candidate didn't get, or somebody got elected president that you're not real crazy about. Well, that could trigger an emotion in you that causes you to write a song, but it ain't got to be about the president that got elected. You know what I mean? Right. Or didn't get elected. It ain't got to be about that it could be about something else just uh I don't know when I say anger it's like how do you write I mean a song like framed or in the meantime without having something you know uh kind of fueling that inside of you. You don't sit down and just write it right out of your head. But you said you came up you with know. Framed. It was like a, a bouncer at a bar, correct? No. It wasn't? I thought you had told no. me that on a podcast, that it was a fight at a bar or something. Then you started getting this whole vision of this entire song of Framed. Am I way off on that? Yeah, I remember probably telling you about the fight at the bar that's not where frank oh yeah it's like actually what it was yeah it was just getting thrown in jail you know getting put in jail for six seven hours till my dad came down there and and that and and that spawned frame the entire story i think it did it's like not that's not what it was about it was about just taking you know Six hours in jail for fighting in a a bouncer in a bar to uh, turning that into ten years in prison. You know what I mean? Uh huh. I, I mean, you take yeah. It's like getting stopped by a cop. You know, blue lights flashing. You know, dust flying, all that stuff. You know. And, uh, I mean, it, it's, it was always easy and just fishing at the river with my brother, you know, back when I was a kid, you know, uh, hanging out down at the river and there's always people hanging out down there fishing or running somebody else's trot lines and stuff like that. And, you know, my brother getting crossways with this one or, you know, and, and them running into each other at town getting in a fight or whatever, things like that, that you can take and turn into a song like Down the River. Just God just, dang uh, it, that song. Holy smoke. It's it's just an amazing talent. It truly is. And in, in your case, it's you know, your song your storytelling in three and a half, four minutes and this the stories are lasting <clears throat> and, and sitting and staying with people throughout their entire lives. I literally remember where I was when I first heard Framed, that album, 
I remember who I was with, and literally I have not quit listening to it since that day, and that's been almost two decades. So if you think about like how these stories hit and they 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 weren't big time radio hits that were getting played in rotation three four times a day by the local country radio station here. This was something to where I heard it and I was like, I'm never I'm never going to stop listening to this man's words. Right. So like to be able to come up with that lumberyard scene and the dust flying and the and the lights flashing and the handcuffs and the sheriff saying you know saying I ain't done nothing wrong. He just threw me down and put the handcuffs on like. That all comes off of a little tiny jail stint of a, you know, maybe a drunk night after a bar fight or something. That's not normal thinking to me. Like, that's not normal. That's on a different level to be able. That's like, that's like script writing. That's like being Stephen King, maybe, or, or a great author. Um, you know, he might not be the greatest example of a great author if you're not into horror stories, but that that's just not normal thinking chris knight to me that's not normal to be able to take that instance and then write that lumberyard and that jail scene and that courtroom scene out of that i don't know if that makes sense to you or not but i don't think that that's normal well that's uh that was the only thing that motivated me to write a song i mean things like that a good story Basically, I mean, I've written some stuff that I feel like is pretty close to pop music, and I and I like them a lot. I mean, "Cry Lonely," I don't know where that came from. We just wrote it, you know. And but I love that song. Great song. And uh, but it's not like the rest of them, you know. And everybody's lonely now, you know. I could do stuff like that, and uh, but. And, and, you know, I was highly motivated to write those songs, but, you know, a song like Down the River or something like that, it's like, holy shit, you know, I'm just, this this is a all coming together right here in this motel room down in Chattanooga, man. And I, you know, looking out the window at the Tennessee River out there and, uh, you know, just came up on me and, it's like just getting into that character. But knowing a little bit about that character anyway, you know, well, having you, a little bit of... You kind of wrote a poppy song that became a radio hit. Well, in my opinion, I remember in 2000, 2001, at the beginning of the 2000s, um, we had a toilet, we had a portable toilet company. It was one of the first businesses I was ever an owner in. And I'd be in the toilet yard and was, I was seeing this girl named Jill, and you had this song with Montgomery Gentry called She Couldn't Change Me about painting the room blue and, and, and how she moved out. You know, she, she's quit listening to Merle and, and all of the outlaws and started, you know, it was out in L.A. by the ocean and started dressing different and listening to different music. Is that considered a poppy song in Chris Knight's opinion? Because that song is genius, in my opinion, and Montgomery Gentry did a great job with it. And I had no idea you wrote that song until doing some, you know, doing some investigation and research on it. That's a great song, Chris Knight. Well, thanks. Um, that song uh, came from a a true life experience. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like uh, I got I had a story I used to tell, and sometimes you know. I would I'd get tangled up in the story and it didn't always come across right, but it ninety percent of the time it did, but uh it was uh there was a girl my but I you know, I had a friend uh and you know, he'd go have a new girlfriend about three day every three days and uh so one Sunday she came out to the house. I was hanging out with him. And so we went riding and drinking back on the back roads and shit. And uh, later that night he was off doing something outside or something like that. Me and her were sitting in the, <laughs> in the living room and she, I had on an old pair of suede boots. And she said, I like your boots. And uh, 
I think when a girl will tell you, I like your boots, you know, I think when they're telling you that, they're kind of like opening up the conversation there for uh, a little more than just talking about your boots, you know. Yeah. So uh, that actually happened. And uh, so the story... So, so right about time me and her was fixing to get together, my buddy comes back in. So that was all over. But uh, uh, she, uh, I heard about three days later that, uh, or the next time I see my buddy, he said, tell me about that girl. I said, uh, they got in an argument one night and, and uh, she'd walked out of the trailer and uh, to get in her car and leave. And uh, he said he <laughs> looked out the window after she had left, make sure she was gone. <laughs> and uh, said he seen a, there was a fire in the floorboard <laughs> of his pickup. She had set a fi- she had set a fire in the floorboard of his pickup and stole his beer out of the out of the bed of the truck. <laughs> And I tell everybody, I was going to write a song about that, but I figured that starting with the beat up boots would be uh, be a better choice for us. So her uh, comment about your boots when her boyfriend or the, her new boyfriend, your friend, is out of the room sparks that entire song that becomes a hit for Montgomery Gentry. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where it came from. Was she? I told, did your friend ever tell you that she was one of those girls that was like, you need to change, you need to quit listening to country music, you need to paint your house a different, your room a different color, or did you just come up with all that? No, nah, it was just the boots. Just the boots came up with that whole song. Yeah. How? Like that's crazy to me. And then she moves out to California and thinks that that's her life, but then she can't live without what she was used to back here and back here in the hall or whatever. Yeah, man, man, Gary, man, Gary Nelson wrote a bunch of songs too, and I went down there and told Gary that, you know, and just to get a song started. And I think I had the uh, the uh, uh, hook. She uh, the the. The hook in the chorus, she couldn't change me. And uh, so we that we wrote that song, and I don't know. It was uh, Gary. Gary's a real good songwriter, and I. I mean, I write songs my way, and Gary writes his songs his way. But we were able to come together on a whole bunch of songs. To where I, I could play them, you know, I could play them and sing them. I could sing them, like get my voice on that song, you know, like Jealous Kind. I mean, I heard uh, Billy. Was it Currington? Uh, no, that uh, radio station out in North Carolina. I don't know that one. Uh, He's a DJ of it? Damn. Yeah, it's still a couple of DJs. They had a show, and I was listening to them. It was a funny show. You know, they'd have a whole bunch of different artists on. And uh, they mentioned a letter from Maria. They would do this thing every morning. And, and uh, letter, a letter from Maria. And so I hollered out, I got a letter from Maria and went down there. I was right on my way to write with Gary. I just kind of play strummed that. I got a letter from Maria, you know, and then he, we just started writing it. Jumped right in, right on it, and we finished it in a couple of hours, probably did a demo of it. Was that John Boy and Billy? John Boy and Billy. Yeah, I'm ashamed that I couldn't remember get that. Remember that right now. 
The John Boy and Big and Billy Big Show. Yeah. Letter from Maria. Yeah, they uh, they did me a lot of good too, cause they they was playing down the river back back then, and a whole lot of people told me, you know, that they they heard of me through John Boy and Billy. That's awesome. I love it. <clears throat> Man, I love I love the whole. I could talk to you for li- literally days, Chris. I want to know everything. They need to write a book about you. My last question. My last question is for today's episode: Is you see these tributes, and you see, you know, they did one on George Strait, and Jamie Johnson got up there and sang a song that that he wrote for George, "Give It Away," and and then another artist will come up and sing. When they've done them for Merle, they did them for Willie. Let's say that they were going to bring you down to Bridgestone and do a Chris Knight memorial. Just give me one artist that you'd want to see on that bill and what song they would sing. Does any come to mind? Because you've made reference several times that, you know, your voice on these songs is different. That's the way they were meant to be, kind of. Is there one that comes to mind that if somebody did a tribute to Chris Knight, is there an artist that you'd want to see seeing a certain song? Uh, Man, I like to hear them all sing my song, you know. And I think they all do a better job than I do, you know. Uh, I've written some songs that ain't never been cut that I always thought a girl ought to cut them. Which one of them is Cabin in the Woods. And uh, I've threatened to record it myself, but I just feel like it's more of a, of a girl song. But, yeah, I... Say Miranda Lambert singing that song would be great. You know, that's just a song that I've written and got a good demo on it, but I never could get it cut. Has she heard it? I don't know. I don't know why they ain't pissed it to her. Maybe she'll hear it one of these days. Why don't you just send it to her? You got to know her, don't you? Yeah, I've met her. I've hung out with her a couple times, you know, and uh, she's great. I love her. I love listening yeah. to her sing. Yeah, I got my old, my wife and three kids back in the backstage in the dressing room at one of her shows one night, and she just hung out with us, took pictures. Great. Oh, well, there's been times where she's posted on her, I don't know how close Chris Knight follows the social media platforms, but on her Instagram, I've told you this before, she posts that you're her hero. Your her songwriting hero. <clears throat> She's posted that with the Pistol Annies and pictures with you and her on uh, on her Instagram. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I've uh, see she she Frank Liddell, uh produced her first album, and uh, you know, so Frank knows her pretty good. Do you still talk to Frank? It's been a while, but I run into him every now and then. You know, I've got his number. I just ain't ain't called him. (laughs) You just kind of stick into yourself. Well, man, I I need to come to a show. I need to come hang out and say hello. I'm going to start putting together um, this idea that we discussed with Cody Jinx and Brent Cobb and seeing if I can make it make it come true because it would be an awesome show to put together and maybe do it with charity or military in mind or something. But I, I got some ideas. I'll be running by you. That'd be great. I pre- appreciate it. That sounds good. I love, sounds the, I, I love the music, Chris Knight. Don't stop doing it. <laughs> I probably won't for a while. I need to come to some shows. I want to get high on some Chris Knight lyrics. They, they, they literally light me up, buddy. You gotta, you gotta, you have a way of getting inside of people's souls that um, I can't even explain. And I know that it's true because I, I know a lot of good songwriters that say the same thing. So congrats on being such a legend and a badass songwriter. Well, I appreciate that. Good, good talk to you, Chad. I enjoyed doing the show. I love having you on. We'll do it again. I love catching up with you. And um, one day we're going to get together in camp and uh, cook some wild game. And maybe you'll even uh, – have a cold beer with me and pick a guitar around a fire. Uh, that could happen. 
I would love it. I'll start getting you some dates for this fall. Maybe we can get together somewhere and do a pretty cool camp. Sounds good. Thank you, Chris Knight. I appreciate it. You take care, my man. I'll be in touch. All right. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. All right. Bye. bye. It's Chris Knight. Again, what a freaking, freaking badass. He's off the phone now, so I can really tell how I feel about him. He's one of the best that ever lived. Probably my favorite songwriter all around all time. Get his stuff, get his music in your ears. Listen to the words, listen to the stories, how real life they are and how they cut right through you. Um, I don't need to sit here and preach about him. Everybody knows how I feel about him. And I know how a lot of different artists, songwriters, singers feel about him. But Chris Knight, the one and only another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast brought to you again by the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I think I'm going to have one tonight. Listen to It Ain't Easy Being Me or Framed or Down the River or William. And there's Send me a boat. Send it on down. Thank you, Chris Knight. Y'all take care. We're going to go out of this podcast with a Chris Knight song. This is Chris Knight. It's called Enough Rope. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. There's a tavern